It is good to have all of you in the house of the Lord, and I am, I know we're starting off the year, and I was listening and hearing some people talking about the name of the Lord, and I thought, well, you know, I want to maybe start off the year, and this is a an, a, ser- a, a subject and a, a sermon that will not ex- exhaust the subject. It will not be uh, the only sermon you've heard. It will not be the only words that you've heard on this subject. It is um, one that you know, really deserves a tremendous amount of time and energy to discuss. And I know there's a great history of this church, of growing apostolic legacy. In fact, um, many, many years ago, one of the former pastors uh, of this church, Brother Hanby, uh, wrote a, a, a track called Um, the Apostles' Doctrine and um, that sense of what all of that meant. And uh, I know it's part of what makes up our name, the Apostolic Church, Christian Apostolic Church, and yet the name of the Lord. And we just read the verse, and I knew, of course, we were going to do this. And so I, I thought, well... It's a great Sunday at least to touch base on this again. And um, here we are. If you really want to look at this word in the Hebrew, you will, uh, it will look something like this. And of course, you have to remember that Hebrew is read uh, not uh, left to right, but uh, right to left. And um, it... um, uh, kind of looks like this. It starts with a yod, and uh, then hey, and then vav, or and then hey, uh, yod hey vav hey, and those letters uh, would be y h v h, which we know later was um, uh, added vowels to say the word. Uh, Yahweh or Jehovah with the first Y becoming a J and then E-H, O-V-A-H would be how they get the name Jehovah. And part of the reason the Jews do that is they don't want to blaspheme the name of God or speak the name of God out of turn. And so this, um, if you will, this, this word that is interpreted in the Strong's as the name of the Lord. In the King James Version, you will often see it as little T-H-E and then capital L-O-R-D or in a, in a three-quarter font, all caps, Lord. And that is actually found over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. It is, uh, it is repeated uh, numerous times. And that's not to mention the additional varieties of that. 
uh, which like you would say Jehovah Nissi or Jehovah Shalom or Jehovah Rapha, uh, other uh, names of God that would use the first part, uh, the Lord our righteousness, the, the Lord our peace, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our uh, uh, salvation, etc., etc. So that word uh, is, um, as I mentioned, is used um, 6,500 times in, in the Bible. And my remote doesn't seem to be working, Sister Tracy, sorry, so you'll have to kind of stay with me. But it first appears in Genesis, the second chapter. And it is uh, actually the retelling of the creation story. Now we know that Moses wrote the first five books, which are called the Torah or the law, and that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And yet Moses really didn't live until the book of Exodus, the second book. So the whole book of Genesis is history. And when Moses wrote this uh, book, it reads like this, starting at Genesis 2 and verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God, the Lord God there being uh, Yah, Hey, Vav, Vav, Hey. And so the, in that day, that he made the earth and the heavens. If you kept reading from verses four to eight, you will see the phrase again. The Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. The Lord God planted a garden and thus begins the number of times that phrase, uh, Yah, uh, hey, uh, Yahweh, hey, uh, uh, Yahweh, hey, uh, is repeated, or what we would say Yahweh, uh, in with when you add the, the consonants. And yet, when God speaks to Abraham in Genesis, the 17th chapter, it says that the Lord spoke and said unto him, I am. The Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And yet, while it's used a number of times in Genesis, there's a very interesting scripture that records the time that Moses got the first spoken word from God to him. And it's in Exodus, the third chapter. This is Moses' introduction to God when he was burning, when he observed a burning bush. The voice that the name of God spoke. You remember, Moses saw the burning bush, he turned, he went after it, he looks at it, 
and the burning bush is on fire and a voice speaks out of there, says, take off your shoes. And Moses uh, begins to dialogue with the bush, which is kind of exciting. They know that the bush is talking to him and uh, he's listening and talking back. And the bush tells him he's going to go to Egypt. And Moses starts going through the reasons why he can't. And if you read this third chapter, there was the word spoken was, he asked this voice, who will I say has sent me? And the phrase that comes back is the word in Hebrew, Hayah, which is I am. And we've often used that as I am, fill in the blank, the I am has sent me, I am. And that's pretty interesting that at that moment, that voice tells him, my name is Hayah. And then it's in the sixth chapter that now it really begins to get interesting because in the sixth chapter, the voice speaks to Moses again. And God spoke unto Moses, the sixth chapter and the second verse, and said unto him, I am what? The Lord, Yahweh. I am the Lord. The third verse says, I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name God Almighty, which in the Hebrew would be El Shaddai. But by my name Yahweh, Jehovah, was I not known unto them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. Now, the dilemma becomes, do you believe that the Lord had never shared with them his name or, and that Moses, when he wrote, he simply wrote using the name of the Lord or that when he said, I gave them my name, that they didn't understand what it was. I don't know. I could argue that there was, you know, maybe the Lord had not revealed the name of the Lord, Yahweh or Jehovah, to anyone before Moses. And we know that oftentimes when Abraham and some of them, uh, Isaac, Jacob, they would refer to God as El. And, and that's why Jacob, he, uh, when he fell asleep, he named the place Beth El. This is the house of God, Beth El, El being the name of God. And so maybe he didn't know. Maybe he would have named it the house of Yahweh or the house of Jehovah. Maybe he didn't know there was the name Yahweh or Jehovah. And maybe Moses simply inserted it into the first five books. I don't understand. No, but the, the other important 
thing that you must realize is that while he spoke this to Moses, he also referred to the fact that I am establishing a covenant. I am making a covenant with the children of Israel. He said, I have established my covenant with them and given them the land of Canaan. And so we realize that, you know, to the Jews, this name is, is, you know, not even spoken. It's not even a name, if you will. In fact, in a lot of the writings, they will, in, if they're writing in English, they will put G and a dash and a D. They won't even write out the name of God because they don't want to put G-O-D because they could blaspheme it. Blasphemy of the name is very important. They don't speak this name, Yahweh. Uh, They don't speak that, and it's not really a name. It's called a tetragrammaton. It's a combination of three words. Some uh, rabbis believe that it is when a child is born, Uh, that we had a a baby dedication, that the first breath is that breath out of the name of God. And they believe that that is as close to how you can pronounce it as it can be found. That it is more, there's no consonants, it's more of a, that sign of just a breathing out of that. And I, I don't know, but it's a combination of three words that are, are really, those words are combined to, uh, uh, the three words are yeah, yeah, which is, it's actually yeah, yeah, uh, which is, um, means uh, will be, hove, which is present, and haya, which is what Abraham heard, God of the past. And so if you put that out in a literal translation, the name Yahweh is the one who causes all existence in the future, in the present, and in the past. Notice it's not, we usually say, past, present, future, but God's name says future, present, past. And so what's amazing about that is you have to understand that the name of the Lord invokes, if you will, that God starts in the future. And what's happening today is bringing us to what God has already got in the future. And what's happened in the past, he's already been there and he's able to actually change it for our good. That's why one writer would say, goodness and mercy follow me because of the power of God to visit what's happened in the past and make all things new. That's why you will see a writer in the New Testament say, we become a 
new creature in Christ. And so, amazingly, that when you think in terms of God already has all things under control. And I know we're starting a new year, 2024. And like I'm sure you, it's like, oh Lord, 2020 was COVID. We didn't see that coming in 21. And we lost so many in 22. We had all this that we went through and this happened and that happened. And, and now 23 and 24 and oh Lord, how are we gonna make it this year? Guess what? I'm here to tell you, God's already got the future under control. You may say, I don't know how I'm going to do it, nor do I, but God's already there. It's like the story I read the back of the book. I know how it's going to end up. That's why the three Hebrew boys could look at Nebuchadnezzar and say, We don't know whether we're going to die or whether we're going to live, but one way or another, we're getting deliverance because our God is a God that can deliver. So, you know, I understand that at times it's hard because we view things from past, present, and then we worry about the future, and I'm here to tell you that the future is taken care of. Doesn't mean that you don't have to pray. Doesn't mean that you don't have to uh, do, uh, uh, save, whatever. But I'm here to tell you God's already there. There's going to be a church that's alive and remain. There's going to be people that are going to be living for God. I'm just telling you, that's already established. There's going to be a rapture. There are going to be people going up. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's written. It's settled. God's already got it figured out. And one of the things that's interesting about all of this, I guess, as much as anything, is up until Exodus, All the acts of God, all the miracles of God, if you were, had been for the patriarchs and appeared to be limited to a few people. I'm sure the people of Sodom and Gomorrah did not know that the Lord rained fire down on them. They just were destroyed. Now, Lot knew, Abraham knew, some knew, but it was, they were limited in scope. Now, all of a sudden to Moses, God says, I was not known by Yahweh or the name of the Lord to them. I was was not known by them to the patriarchs. But I want you to know, Moses, I am in total control of everything. I am no longer going to just simply limit my miraculous power to just the patriarchs. But I am here to tell you that I am the cause and the master of every, all of creation, of every situation. There is nothing that is beyond my scope of authority. I am Yahweh. And then he first thing he did was led Moses in a battle between the gods of Egypt and, and Jehovah to the point that he said, you are wanting to protect your son and you've got my son. I'm going to tell you, you know, the 
frog God and the beetle God and the cow God and the Nile water God. I'm going to defeat every one of your gods. And in fact, I'm going to drown Pharaoh who calls himself a God on earth in the Red Sea where he'll never be remembered again. So this battle, you know, was over the gods. And, and when the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to give the commandments and establish a covenant with the children of Israel after they had seen these gods all destroyed in the Red Sea. Well, what you find in Exodus, the 20th chapter, starting at verse 2 and, and as you read it, it is how he starts the Ten Commandments. And some of you can quote him. You know him. What does he say? He said, I am the Lord thy God. This is established on my name. Because of the name of the Lord, I am now making a covenant with you. It's not what you've done, but it's my name that's done. Thou shalt have what? No other gods. No No graven image, nor likeness. Number two, thou shalt not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I and the Lord thy God am, and here he puts that phrase in again, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And then the fourth commandment, uh, the uh, third commandment, thou shalt not take the, third commandment, thou shalt not take the what? Name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who does this. So the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Then he says, Sabbath day to keep it holy and and, uh, honor your parents and so forth and so on, the rest of the commandments. So in these first three commandments, there was this sense of this came from the Lord. It came from Yahweh. In fact, what we read this morning, the powerful words that the Lord gave Moses and Aaron to speak the blessing to the children of Israel. We read them this morning. Numbers, the sixth chapter. Notice how many times it says the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses. And Yahweh and Jehovah Whatever phrase you want to put in there, spake unto Moses, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put, what? My name. You say, the name of God important? I think it's very important. I think the name of the Lord is very important. In fact, when you read the 26th verse, the word countenance there is a Hebrew word panim, which means presence. 
It's also interpreted presence, so you could read it. The Lord lift up his presence upon thee and give thee peace. I know it, my wife will often say, that's him smiling at us. But when you get the Holy Ghost, it's like the Lord is smiling on you. <laughs> anyway, as I said, there's no way I could read all of the verses. So no way I could give you all the references. But I want to touch on a couple more from the Old Testament before we hop, skip, and jump into the New Testament. And that is Amos, the ninth chapter. Interesting, interesting, powerful um, prophecy. Amos 9, verse 11 says, In that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen, close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, 9, 11, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Eden, of all the heathen, which are... He said there are going to be heathen that are called by his name, saith, who said it? The Lord said it. Now that's interesting. Behold, the days cometh, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that soweth, and the mountain shall drop sweet wine. And in that day will I raise up, oh, and all the hills shall melt, and I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, plant vineyards, drink the wine, make gardens, eat the fruit. For those of you that have traveled to Israel, you know they're doing that now. And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Now, if you remember what we just read, there will be a group of heathen that are going to be called by the name Yahweh, will be proclaimed over the Gentiles. Now, that's interesting. Joel another Old Testament prophet in the second chapter said you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise what? The name of the Lord Yahweh your God. For he's dealt wondrously with you. My people shall never be ashamed and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am Yahweh. And none else, my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And on my servants and handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heaven and earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the great and terrible day of... 
And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. As the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Now how did they, New Testament, interpret these verses, Amos and Joel? Well, everybody immediately knows how Simon interpreted Joel because they went to the upper room after being sent there by the Lord. They tarried there till the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting and appeared unto them cloven tongues. And you read it. They come, the early church gets the Holy Ghost, comes pouring out of the upper room, dancing and shouting and praising God and immediately people look at them as if they are drunk. They have gotten into the wine and they are sauced. And Simon Peter stands up and you know what prophet he quotes? Joel. You know what he says? This is that. These people aren't drunk like you think, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he starts quoting it. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men see visions. Old men dream dreams on my servants and on my handmaidens in those days. I will pour out my spirit. They shall prophesy. I shall sow wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath blood, fire, vapor, smoke. Sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great notable day of, and he says it, the Lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he goes on preaching. David said, the Lord said unto my Lord, and he quotes on, and when the people heard this, as he wrapped up his lesson, he said, therefore let all the house of Israel Know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Let me tell you the name of the Lord. It was Jesus. He's the Lord. Go ahead, next slide. Now, when they heard this, it cut them because they knew about Joel's prophecy. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? And you know what Simon says? Huh? You all know this. Repent and be 
baptized in the why that name? Because it's the name of the Lord. I want you to call on the name of the Lord as you go down into a watery grave. And when you come up, his countenance shall shine upon you. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Now they did this in chapter 8, they did in chapter 10, and chapter 10 is the, is the one where Cornelius' house and Simon goes and he preaches and they get the Holy Ghost and they baptize him in Jesus' name and then it stirs up controversy because some of the Jews decide, well, should they become Jews before they become Gentile Christians or followers of Christ? How are they being allowed to call on the name of Jesus who is the name of the Lord, that's so holy we can't speak it, and they're able to go down in Jesus' name. And it stirs up this controversy in Acts 15. You will see that James speaks to all of the church leaders. And here's what he says. They were fighting about whether or not they should make them become Jews first. And James answered saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon Peter hath declared how God at first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets. And then you know what prophet James quotes? Amos. After <laughs> it is written, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen down and I will build again the ruins that are set up and I, and the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called saith the Lord who doeth these things. These early church leaders believed that Jesus fulfilled the name of the Lord. That when you say the name of Jesus, you are invoking the God that is, we say yesterday, today, and forever, but he is forever, today, and yesterday. He is the God of tomorrow. He is the God of 2024. I don't know what we'll go through, but he's still God. He's here. He is already in our future. And he says, James wrote later, my brethren have not faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with respect to persons. Do they not blaspheme the worthy name by which they are called? Paul wrote in Romans, the 10th chapter, 
What saith it? The word is nigh unto thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him, him, Jesus, the Lord Jesus, the Lord from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What are you talking about? I'm here to tell you. He goes on to say, for with the heart, Man believeth unto righteousness, and the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There is no difference between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich upon all, unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord... What a privilege. The Jews don't even feel like they can say the name. And yet the Lord has opened the door for us to be able to breathe the name of Jesus. Oh, I know there are so, so many verses I could read. Back to Zechariah when the ninth chapter when Zechariah prophesied, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, having salvation, lowly, riding on a donkey, on the coal, the foal of a donkey. In the 19th chapter, that's what happened when Jesus came into Jerusalem. A multitude of disciples began to praise God with a loud voice. And you know what they said? Blessed be the king that cometh in. The name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees ran out and said, make them shut up. They are blaspheming. And you know what the Lord said? I can't stop this. Because if I did, the very rocks. You know why? Because I created the rocks. When the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And for someone to deny that I am the Lord. Oh, later Zechariah says, his feet shall stand in the day of Mount of Olives and he'll be on one side and facing the other in the 14th chapter. You keep reading and it says... <coughs> that the Lord God shall come and all the saints and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. Some of the last words that Jesus said in his public ministry, it's Matthew the 23rd chapter, for he said unto them, you're gonna see me no more until henceforth you say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. What are you saying? That's why Jesus could easily say, before Abraham was, I am. As Simon Peter said, the 
stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. For neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. And when they heard this, that the Jews got so angry with them that they called them in and they said, you can pray for people, you can heal people, you can let people get the Holy Ghost, but whatever you do, do not speak or teach Don't say that name. Just don't say it. And you know what? They walked out of there and said, I'm glad I was counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And that day in the temple and every day after that, they ceased not to preach and teach who? Jesus Christ. It's almost like they remembered the words of Jesus when he said, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. I, I've got more slides, but you say, is, it, is the name that important? Oh, what a privilege to be able to breathe the name, to be able to speak the name, to be able to pray in the name. Oh, I know. We, we're excited because we, we believe in the name and baptism. And if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I encourage you to read it, study it, learn it, see what the early church did. I, I think you'll see what I see, that that's the only way you want to be baptized. Oh, I know. We, you know, some people say, oh, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. Or you're doing it. It's not what it's about. It's what a privilege know the name of Jesus, to be able to call on the name of Jesus. Oh, I, I know I wasn't even at the hospital on Thursday, but I, I don't have to ask. I didn't. I didn't ask my dad. I didn't ask the two Davids were there. I didn't ask my wife. Did you pray? Because it's a part of our life. I didn't ask the Waters family. Did you pray? Oh, well, I needed to call Dr. Fahrenheit and find out exactly what's going on. That's great. Dr. Centigrade will help too, but I'm just telling you, they've got more degrees than anybody I know. For those of y'all that were wondering about those two doctors. Sorry. But there is a name that is more powerful than a connection with Dr. Fahrenheit, Dr. Centigrade. That at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, I can just, a mention of his name, it evokes the future. I immediately am calling on Yahweh, Jehovah. I am calling on the Lord. That's why Jesus took no thought about saying, you don't know who it is that's talking to you. I can call 10,000 angels.
at this moment. You have no authority over me because I am the Lord thy God walking around on earth. What a privilege. Let's stand. Good to have all of you here. But remember this year, no matter what you face, we have the Lord, the name of the Lord. My mother used to always love the verse in Psalms. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Strong tower. The righteous run into and are saved. If you've never been baptized or you want to you pray in Jesus' name, join us. We're just going to come and take a moment and worship the Lord. The name of the Lord. Hallelujah.